0: Welcome everyone to another episode of the Dine Sports YouTube page and podcast network. To all our American friends listening, happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully you guys are having a wonderful day surrounded by uh, turkey and mashed potatoes and all the fixins and all that good stuff. Obviously COVID throwing a bit of a wrench into things and going to be a different uh, Thanksgiving this year than in years past. And. Uh, hopefully however you're celebrating, whether that's virtually or socially distanced or just with the immediate family in your household there. Hopefully you guys are doing it safely and uh, making it as memorable and as enjoyable as possible. Got a great episode for you guys today. We've got Ottawa 67's GM James Boyd joining us to talk about the 2021 season, what fans can possibly expect, not only from a game day experience, but also from the roster that they've assembled there. Obviously, the sixty-sevens had quite a bit of success at the NHL draft this past year, having had three players get selected there, and Rossi Quinn and Cranley, and what uh what fans can really expect out of this this strange OHL season that's about to unfold obviously there's lots still up in the air and things could change dramatically between now and when puck actually uh, gets dropped on the season there but uh they're preparing for a wide variety of things and by all accounts it sounds like they are just chomping at the bit to get back to it after uh, you know a pretty disappointing way to end last year obviously um you know they were on pace to set franchise records in terms of wins and points and um, all sorts of uh, on ice production there and to have it get cut short by the pandemic was obviously a tough pill to swallow, and especially for some of the players who are in their obviously draft eligible year um you know the ohl playoffs and the memorial cup are obviously two huge huge showcase events and um you can definitely improve your draft stock by having some strong performances at both of those events there so to not get a crack at that was disappointing and uh You know, they they also talk a little bit about uh, just sort of what the messaging was to that team because that was a pretty special team and they had a legitimate shot at hoisting some trophies and bringing home some hardware at the end of the year. And uh, you know, to lose out on your own merits or because you didn't, you know, put enough pucks in the nets, that's one thing. But to uh, not even get a chance to get a crack at it that's obviously a uh, a difficult one especially for you know for the most part we're dealing with teenagers here right so um definitely something that they've been working their entire lives towards and uh, has a huge 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 uh, effect on their future as well too so wide-ranging interview but really a great uh insight into what you can expect for what's probably going to go down as one of the strangest uh ohl seasons in recent memory for sure and uh you know we wish them all the best and hopefully everything goes off without a hitch there but uh it's gonna be touch and go for a little bit and hopefully we can get numbers under control and they can actually get uh, on ice product going again there because i know uh, not only are they chomping at the bit to get back there but uh lots of fans as well too in the area are, are eagerly awaiting to see the uh, the boys hit the ice again there so great interview and uh let's get right to it here james boyd from the ottawa 67s all right and joining us on the show today we have ottawa 67's gm james boyd james how are you doing today sir doing great awesome thanks for joining us there obviously a bit of a different off season for you guys and you know uh, a few curveballs to say the least have been thrown your way uh, how are things over at good old td place these days
1: well i think we're uh yeah it has been To say it's been a a different offseason season uh, (laughs) is is quite an understatement. You know, I think we have a lot of experience, but probably we're getting close to having, uh, you know, the junior hockey season down pat when it comes to administrative responsibilities and travel bookings and that sort of thing. So uh, we're definitely out of our comfort zone. Uh, You know, it's been a time of uh, uh, professional development. It's been a time of uh, reflection and probably the first time in a long time where we've been able to step back and, you know as a group and assess you know what can we do uh you know to enhance the experience for the players and the fans what can we do uh um you know to kind of streamline uh operations so it's been uh it's been a a, a different time but i think it's been very productive
0: yeah yeah like, like everyone else probably sort of feeling feeling your way through it and you're just sort of waiting on announcements as they come there but uh I mean, if we sort of take this even back pre-pandemic there, we, we, we look at, you know, the 2018-19 season. You guys had this fantastic run. You went all the way to the finals there. Uh, ultimately came up a little bit short, but then hop into the 2019-2020 season and you guys are actually on pace as, as, you know, as impressive as you guys were in 2018-2019. You guys are actually on pace for an even better year. And then, of course, the world comes to a full stop, Right. What, what was the sort of messaging that obviously you guys had to the players who probably were feeling a little bit disappointed that their seasons got cut short and, you know, ultimately didn't even get a chance to sort of end it the way they wanted to? Because it's one thing to lose out of the playoffs. It's another thing to not even sort of get a crack at it there. So what, what, what was sort of the messaging that you said to the players once you found out they wouldn't be hitting the ice?
1: Well, I think the, the messaging has kind of evolved. You know, initially when, we, when our season uh, paused, we sent the players home and we were, we were kind of in the impression it would be a two-week uh, hiatus and, you know, we'd be back to, uh, to resume the playoffs. And at that point, it was kind of, you know, we had our 50-win season tying the previous year, which tied the all-time 67s record. And, you know, we were optimistic that, hey, maybe, maybe we'll get back and be able to play three or four games so we can eclipse the record and, yeah. and you know, kind of finish one of our goals for the season. That, you know, as we know, quickly, uh, you know, it became reality that, hey, this is not happening. And then uh, we we're hopeful for a playoff, but then that didn't happen. And I think uh, once, once our playoffs were cancelled, I think the reality, you know, it hit our players hard. And I think that, that the one constant through all the time has been the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what the future holds, what, you know, what's going to be happening. But I, I think it's a, it's, the cancellation of the playoffs in the regular season was a real sense of missed opportunity and I think probably compounded by the success of our team, you know, the previous year where a long playoff run resulted in NHL contracts. It resulted in NHL tryouts. It resulted in some guys, uh, you know, rocketing up the uh, uh, the draft board uh, on NHL draft day. So I think that, you know, the feeling was the rug was pulled out, but I think that the uh, kind of the, the constant is the uncertainty and the fact that we've got players in their NHL draft year. Who aren't getting a chance to to showcase their stuff and we had five players on the nhl watch list without playing a game which you know kind of uh, uh, is validation of their talent and the interest in those players we got some other guys that should be on that list in our opinion but haven't had a chance to prove themselves mm-hmm. um you know to be high draft picks uh and then we got players who are trying to sign contracts we got our overage players mitch holster and cedric andre and merrick rippon they're probably looking at you know a joe gareff a ty failhaber uh, you know, guys who, who earned an opportunity to play professional hockey in their overage years. So I feel badly for those guys. And we don't have much information for them other than to provide support and, uh, and, and you know, help them in any way we can. But, you know, the league, for, for different reasons, uh, we're not allowed to operate. So we, we don't run practices for the players. We don't have the players in Ottawa. They're in their own home centres across Ontario, the States, and even in Europe. And some of those guys are playing. Uh, you know in their area uh, of course the players in Ontario are not but uh, I guess the the message that's kind of evolved is a uh, some some players are going to come out of this pandemic 20 pounds heavier make sure it's muscle you <laughs> <Yeah>. know <laughs> um, and you know what from a, from a management perspective a coaching perspective there's been over the last 10 years a real push in minor hockey in Canada to kind of emulate that European model of more practice less games mm-hmm And so the practice to game ratio has been a hot button topic, you know, at coaching clinics and and different things that I've attended. And now here's an opportunity, you know, to implement, implement that if, if you can get the ice time, if you can do that, but you know, it remains to be seen when we come out, when we come out of a pandemic and, and, and play resumes, you know, has the training benefited the players that really focused on it? You know, has there been a chance for maybe NHL players who are injured seemingly all the time, has just been the recovery period that they come out at a hundred percent. And what does the league look like? There's all sorts of, I think, positive things to look forward to, but right now it's tough for, for a, a teenage boy, uh, you know, in a short window of opportunity to, to look down the road and, and see some of these positives. So yeah, we're, we're, we're anxious to get back. I think the guys are doing all the right stuff. We got all our players enrolled in school and, and they're achieving in school. They're, they're working out in the gym and making progress and, uh, We just hope the schedule, uh, you know, we meet the timeline and are able to play uh, in February. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. And, And I mean, you just sort of touched on it, obviously, you know, league mandated, you guys aren't able to have the typical training camps and sort of the usual ramp up to the season that you normally would have there, at least not yet. What have you guys been doing in order to sort of keep, in contact with the players and that is it. You know, weekly Zoom meetings. Are you guys doing a lot of you know yeah. virtual video work with the players? What what what's sort of the the you know time being spent on these days with the players?
1: Yeah, we've done weekly Zoom meetings once a week. We uh, we get on a call and and uh, it could be everything from coaching instruction and video and positional play, or uh, you know team values, reinforcing our team values. Uh, you know, we we award our academic player of the month like we would in any other year yeah. and kind of celebrate those achievements. We've had guest speakers on. Um, we've had uh, some homework assignments where we've, uh, uh, you know, provided some material to the players and asked them to break into groups and provide feedback. And we work with a, an Ottawa company, actually an inter- international company based out of Ottawa called Coach to Connect, mm-hmm. uh, who does leadership training and, and kind of mindfulness training and, and team building. So they've been a great help throughout this period of, you know, um, helping the guys to, to stay connected and then work on their mental game, which we consider to be a skill, just like stick handling or shooting. Uh, that's something that we can really focus on uh, and, you know, do as much team building as we can uh, through this time. So that when we get back playing, you know, we're, we're better for it.
0: hmm Now, mm-hmm. uh, obviously a, a bit of a disappointing way to end last season there, but throughout the offseason there one of the probably highlights for you guys as an organization was getting to see some of your players actually get their names called at the NHL draft there and you guys were fortunate you had three at Quinn Rossi and Cranley all get uh, selected in this year's entry draft you know how proud of a moment is it obviously not only for the players and family but for you guys as an organization to see you know all these years of hard work sort of get capped off for these players there. What's that feeling like going from watching them as, you know, a 16 year old to getting their name called at the biggest stage possible?
1: Well, I think there's two parts to that. There's two parts to the question. The first one is I believe that had our season not been interrupted, we would have had more players drafted. Mm -hmm. And I think our three players that were drafted would have been drafted higher. Yeah. So I think with, you know, the, kind of the last impression in the playoffs, I think a Marco Rossi, Jack a Cranley, uh, and 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 the rest of the draft eligibles, I think with some success, they would have garnered some attention and, and may, maybe uh, you know convinced team to to select them. So there's that that part of it. Um, the other part is it's great you know to, to, to have the players get drafted, but it's great for the players you know the, to to receive the recognition and they are, they're the ones that have put the work in. Mm-hmm. You know we've supplied we you know we've supplied some support and tools and and uh uh kind of a, a structure and and for them for them to improve but they put the work in so it's great to see you know when I, I like watching the draft you see you know the families who sacrifice so much you see you know just the joy of the players and sometimes relief mm-hmm. you know <laughs> players have been waiting and they they're uncertain you know and you know jack quinn and marco rossi and will Cranley, they would have done countless interviews with NHL teams throughout the year. And, and it's quite a process. So just finally it's over, you know, (laughs) I I, I imagine there's a Jack Quinn, you know, finally, thank God it's over. Great to be in Buffalo moving on, (laughs) you know? So there's that part of it too, but uh, it's, it's, you know, to to know that you had a small part in in their development uh, and, and, you know, now uh, like we stay in touch with all of our players, but now, you know, you three years from now go to a, senator Sabers game and and say hi to jack or you know or, or whatever whatever player drafted it that that's fun part too
0: i'm a hockey yeah. fan too yeah yeah absolutely so i mean you go to the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of draft there and obviously the ohl priority draft happens as well too and so new players are getting selected to potentially join the team and you know, upcoming seasons there, just talk, talk a, a little bit about some of the players that you guys selected this year and, and sort of what we can expect out of them as, as fans.
1: Yeah, well, I think um, our first round pick Nick Molenhauer is a, uh, he's a smart player. He's got a lot of skill. Uh, he, he's, you know, he's shown game-breaking abilities. Uh, he was uh, a player that we had of course, every team feels this way, but we had him higher on our list and I get to watch a lot of them. He played in Toronto here. I live in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I've seen, uh, I've seen him play a ton. And he's, he's a player that he fits, checks, kind of checks all of our boxes. We had Andre uh, out to watch him a few times during the season and he really liked him too. So when he was available, we jumped at that. And actually Nick's playing in uh, New Jersey. He, he moved to New Jersey uh, for the hockey season and he's been playing down there and, and playing well. We've been able to monitor him, um, you know, kind of throughout the year. Uh, and watches games online that sort of thing uh and he will return when our uh, training camp uh, uh resumes in uh, in january then uh, uh brady stonehouse second round pick is a energy player uh, he, he's a skilled player he really had a strong playoff for the Elgin middlesex chiefs but he's an in-your-face uh you know pepper pot uh, type of uh, high high energy so um I don't want to make comparisons to the 67s from the past. That's I think that's unfair, but I think he's, he projects to be a fan favorite at some point with his enthusiasm and uh, drawing the ire of the opposition. Yeah. And Tom Sermon a defenseman that uh, played with the Toronto Junior Canadiens. Very mobile. Um, he's, he's kind of the, the new generation of, of defenseman. He skates well, moves the puck well. And uh, uh, actually, his, his older brother, uh, Will, had a stint with the 67s. Uh, former Windsor Spitfire had a stint with the 67s. Uh, before moving on to Charlottetown in the Quebec League and plays at Queen's University now. Uh, Just a a real quality family, hardworking. There's no question about it. Uh, A good student. He's someone we're excited to bring in the organization as well. And then uh, we're excited, you know, the rest of our draft class. We feel that uh, we had, again, a very strong draft. The scouts were were happy with the selections. And uh, we'll watch them develop. It's going to be a competitive training camp, that's for sure. With some of the, uh, you know, we're now kind of two... Two cohorts together here mm-hmm. um, attending training camp, uh, and with the returning forwards, uh, returning forwards and defensemen, we have it's going to be uh, limited spots. So that's where you want to be. You know, I think that uh, uh, if you're a competitive team in any league, you've got good players that maybe aren't going to make your team, and you've got some uh, uh, good players that uh, are pushing for spots in the lineup on a day-to-day basis. So we feel we're well set up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If there was a kid out there who was listening to this episode and, you know, maybe their draft eligibility year is coming up there, what are some things that they should focus on as far as what scouts at the OHL level are really looking for in terms of prospects? What, what are some areas that might fly under the radar there?
1: Well, I think there's effort. Uh, effort you know, it goes without saying effort, but I think uh, competitiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, simple as there's a, there's a loose puck and you and I are going for the puck. Who's coming up with the puck. That's, that's really a key for, for scouts. And I think another key component is uh, consistency and, you know, it's, it's tough for leopards to change their spots. And I think, you know, the, I, I tell players, they got to look at it, that we, we have a large sample size, but Andre's only coming once or twice, mm-hmm. you know, and he sees all the players that we draft. And if you have a stinker the night that Andre's coming, it's going to be tough for me to push for you. Yeah, you know, so we want to see effort night in, night out. It doesn't have to be a, a two-goal night uh, every night, but we want to see that consistent effort. Uh, in, in and that's you know that plays into the mental mental performance training that we emphasize with our players. Is that, that that's a skill as well? Being ready to go and having consistency through the game. We want to see the same player in the first period, second period, and third period. Uh, and again, that uh, engagement in the game. So, I think you know players have different. Uh, uh, different qualities. We're looking for all sorts of different qualities to build our team. I mean, I like the Lou uh, uh description of teams like a, a band. Mm-hmm. You know, someone someone's got to play the tuba. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have a drummer, it doesn't sound good. But really, you know, we need we need uh, uh, we need guys to kill penalties. We need guys to play on the power play. We need you know shut down defensemen like a Kevin Ball. You see the value of him over the last two years. So be yourself, but be consistent. Is, is the main advice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, lots is still up in the air right now. And, you know, (laughs) even in the last month or so, there's been all sorts of debate, you know, will there be checking? Will there be fans in attendance? You know, a few months ago, will there even be a season, right? So you guys have probably prepared for a wide variety of scenarios as, as an organization moving forward here. You know, based on the information you have today, and this could change even tomorrow if something becomes evident there, but what sort of parameters do you see being around this season coming up there? Do you think there'll be fans in limited capacity, no fans at all, checking, no checking? If you had to make a guess today, what do you sort of see happening?
1: Well, I can't guess because the climate changes so fast. Yeah. You know, it seemed that uh, you know, we had, a, a player, uh, who was a member of our organization who was interested in, uh, in playing some junior hockey, uh, and was exploring Eastern or Western Canada. Um, this, this was two, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it seemed at that time, Hey, that, you know what? that seems like a pretty good decision. Now, both those leagues are shut down
0: yeah.
1: and COVID is raging through the, you know, Manitoba and in, in some parts of the maritime. So, It's tough tough to say. It's tough to say what what it's going to look like in January, February. What I do know is that those decisions are being made at the league level, at the ownership level. Uh, In hindsight, although although I tell, you know, I preach that I'm a play tomorrow guy. You know, if we got a call and we're playing tomorrow, we're in. I'm playing. (laughs) But our our ownership group and our league uh, have made the right decisions in taking a slow, kind of calculated approach to getting Black to play. And learning lessons from some of the leagues as they work through pitfalls here. So I'm confident that when we get back, it's going to be hockey, it's going to be competitive as it always is, and the schedule will, will be modified. I think that uh, you're going to see a lot more interdivisional play, interconference play to reduce the nights in hotels and times on the bus and that sort of thing. Uh, and probably some flexibility built into the schedule um, mm-hmm. to accommodate for bumps in the road but uh, it, it's, it's going to be as normal as we can make it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, switching gears a little bit here, as far as the actual, you know, game day experience there, uh, assuming that fans aren't allowed back as an organization, do you guys have anything sort of in the works as far as creating more of a, a virtual experience or streaming or anything like that, that, you know, if fans can't be there in person, they can still support the team from afar.
1: Well, actually, yes, we've, we've been doing a lot of work into that. And some of that is watching other leagues and some of it is uh, just, com- you know, our staff coming up with bright ideas. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, camera angles. Mm-hmm. You know, if there, if there is no fans permitted and fans are going to be watching at home, uh, maybe we can position cameras in a way that, uh, you know, makes for more interesting experience. Uh, is there sort of interactive software apps where fans can be engaged at home? and maybe get, you know, a little bit more information uh, than they normally would sitting in the stand. So there are technologies out there, and some of these technologies are emerging as we speak. Um, you know, here's a here's a, here's an example that came out of the NHL bubble and some of the NHL personnel I've been talking with is piping in noise. Mm-hmm. You know, crowd noise seemed to make a big difference for the players as far as atmosphere and that sort of thing. Well, what does that look like for us? Yeah. Uh, do, you, know, you know, and how do we make that happen? So that's where... You know, I referenced earlier here that out of our comfort zone, I have no experience with this stuff. You know, fortunately, uh, with, with, uh, you know, being um, in OSEG here, we've got some people who are, you know, with lots of experience and well-versed in production, what can can be done, can't be done, facilities and that sort of thing. So it's been fun there coming up with ideas. Uh, What we can implement yet, I don't know.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, But, you know, hopefully we can have fans in the stands even if it's a limited number of fans but if we don't we'll, we'll do whatever we can to make it fun
0: yeah yeah absolutely and you know it, looking ahead to the season there obviously fans all know the the big names that just got drafted and whatnot and maybe one of them will be returning who knows but who are some names that maybe are poised for sort of that breakout year who are ready whether it is you know their draft eligible year or just ready to take that next step in their development? That they should be aware of there. So who, who are the next, you know, Marco Rossi's and, you know, Jack Quinn's and all of that uh, for yeah. the 2021 season? Well, I'll tell you. So one of the lessons we learned last year,
1: um, when we had injuries uh, to our defense corps is that some, some of our young defensemen really made a strong impression. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had a Merrick Rippon out of the lineup and uh, we had a Graham Clark out of the lineup. We had a Dylan Robinson out of the lineup, but you know, our defense corps um, now some of those guys are forwards, but our defense corps uh, really played well. So normally coming into the second year, you know they've received a limited action, and you're hoping that your guys can take the next step. But actually, our defense corps played so well that we know, you know, yeah. we know that they can play. So uh, you know, a Jack Matier, a Teddy Sawyer, a, uh Ranveer Gill, uh, you know, who had a strong, strong season in the CCHL, and, uh, you know, played spot duty for us. Um, you know, th- th- these guys are going to come in and. and they're going to generate a lot of interest. And I think we have a young defense corps, but I think it, it's going to be it's going to be quite strong in some leadership there from uh, Merrick Griffin and Alec Belanger. Up front, I think you've got a, you know, Jack Beck uh, as a 16-year-old played a lot last year, uh, d- did very well A Tommy Johnson. Um, you know, reliable player, um, you know, first-year guy. So there's others, our, you know, like we're confident that our forwards have played in a depth role. And the reason why our team was, a big reason why our team was successful is those, those role players, the depth role guys, did such a good job. There's no reason why they can't take the next step. And when you add in a Graham Clark, uh, you know, who we missed most of last year, it's almost like making, you know, a blockbuster trade in the offseason, having a healthy mm-hmm. Graham Clark. And a Dylan Robinson, who I think 67s fans have yet to see uh, the potential there. Uh, and a p- player that really sticks out for me and was really coming on uh, post-Christmas uh, last season was Cam Tolney. Mm-hmm. We started to emerge as a as a force this defensive play has always been there but you know scoring get, overtime winning goal against barry and and you know was just ready to make the jump when uh, uh when they pulled the plug on the season i think that uh, we're confident that these guys are going to be able to pick up any slack from a rusty uh
0: uh
1: you know a Quinn, whoever whoever ends up playing in the nhl and whoever we get back is going to strengthen our team and uh, you know we'll see where we're at it's been a long time since we hit the ice so would there be a a quick period of assessment there in the month of february before uh, we do anything
0: yeah yeah absolutely and and what about some players that are in their draft eligible year this year who, who are some names that we might actually see get called at the next nhl entry draft
1: well i think you know the defense we mentioned in mater and sawyer uh Ranvier gill uh jack beck uh was on the nhl draft list i think uh, brendan cirzatti uh, who had a tremendous season last year in, uh, in Pickering junior a um, and, you know, came up and played spot due to the 67s. But Sirizati for me is very similar to, to a Jack Quinn in his first year uh, where, you know, he's a power play guy. He's a goal scoring guy. Um, he's going to, he's going to come in to the lineup and, you know, prob- could have played in the OHL last year. He felt it was best for his development to go down there and play and score and, and develop his game. So, uh, we're confident that he's, he, he's going to be an impact player, uh, uh, you know, and, and is going to draw a lot of attention this his draft year. And then uh, we drafted a Russian player, uh, Vesvalad Gaidamak, who was a real standard at the under-17 tournament in Western Canada last year. Uh, he's playing now junior hockey in Russia. Uh, he projects as a, you know, top three-round NHL pick. But he's a, he's a big, strong guy. He's a centerman. Uh, he plays a heavy, heavy game. Uh, he's a little bit of a throwback player, but I think that, you know, any competitive team needs a guy like that. And I think 67's fa- fans, if we can ever get him here, um, he he's, he's, he's a fun player to watch and uh, probably cringeworthy for the, uh, for the opposition. Uh, but he's going to help our team a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Type of guy you hate playing against, but love having on your team then hundred uh, percent. <laughs> yeah,
1: probably, right. probably, yeah, probably more M- Milan Lucic than Phil Castle,
0: but uh, he's, he's, a, he's a quality player. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, I mean, before we let you go there, if there was one final thing that you could sort of say to the fans that are listening right now about whether it's what to expect for this upcoming season or what to expect out of this roster that you guys will be returning, what, what would that be?
1: Well, I think that, um, You know, our our players have done a tremendous job. And I mentioned, you know, the, the difficulty for a young, you know, young teenage boy, uh, to kind of grasp the situation. And I think that they've been doing all the right things. And I think the enthusiasm remains, you know, and, and the calls that we have, I know connecting with the players, uh, in their home center, the players are dying to get back Mm -hmm. and they're in great shape. And, uh, I think that we're, we're, you know, we're poised to pick up where we left off. I think it's going to be a different team. It's going to be a young, exciting team, but uh, our, our goal, and we've every, every move that we've made has been with the, uh, the goal of having a consistency and an uber competitive team every year. And I think we're well on track for that. And I think that the 67s uh, fans are going to be uh, going to be thrilled with the product when we finally get back playing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know the boys are dying to hit the ice and I know that there's uh, thousands of fans out there that are dying to see them hit the ice again as well too. So thank you so much for joining us today. We, we wish you guys all the best with your upcoming season. And uh, as you say, hopefully we, uh, we see the barber poles skating around sooner rather than later there. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. that's a wrap for another episode of the Dine Sports YouTube page and podcast network. Huge thank you as always goes out to our guest today, Ottawa 67's GM, James Boyd, for joining us and giving us a 2021 season preview. We're definitely pulling for them and hoping that uh, the return to play goes off without a hitch. It was definitely uh, you know, tough pill to swallow for the team, given the success that they were having on the ice for uh, their season to end how it did last year. So hopefully everything goes off without a hitch. There's no issues and they're able to, hit the ice running and uh, make another run at a Memorial Cup there. Everyone, make sure you head over to our social media pages. All of them are at dying Sports. It's one word, D-Y-N-E-S, sports. And uh, give them a like and follow, interact with us on there. We've got all sorts of monthly contests, giveaways uh information events all sorts of stuff going on there so make sure to give them a follow also we've got a couple days left until december 1st when our next monthly newsletter drops so if you want to give that a subscription you can get all sorts of insider info as well as coast to coast uh job board postings for the sports industry so that's not just jobs within dine sports but that's literally uh you know provincial sporting organizations national sporting bodies professional sports organizations as well too and uh, so if you've ever wanted to work in the sports industry make sure to give that a follow and get the most up-to-date job board postings right to your inbox once a month we won't be blowing you up with all sorts of offers it's going to be one email a month so you don't need to worry about uh, your inboxes going uh, on the fritz there so For everyone, have a wonderful weekend and our American listeners have a fantastic Thanksgiving today and best of luck if you're going to brave some uh, lines for Black Friday there, but hopefully everyone, given the fact that it's a pandemic going on, will be doing a lot of uh, virtual shopping there. While you're at it, if you have the opportunity, make sure you support local as uh, convenient as Amazon is there. It's always great to support a local mom and pop shop there to get the Christmas shopping done for the year.